Well, good morning. Good morning. Good. Someone's here. All right. Well, today we're going to um, continue to look at the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, you can open Ephesians chapter 5. Um, we're going to specifically look at a passage from 15 to 20. Um, but before I read that, I want to kind of remind us a little bit. I want to go back for just a minute and talk about what we talked about last week. Um, because I think it's important to go back. Um, because these, build, these verses actually build off of each other. Um, this whole book, often the books do that. They build off of one another. Um, and so if you've missed any of the series along the way, you can go back and listen to them online. We actually do put our stuff online. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen, not so you just like can hear me talk or hear Brad talk or whoever it is, but, um, but because it's actually healthy for you. We're all in need of being pointed back to Jesus often. And so it's a big way we go back and we're reminded of God's truth is when we spend time here together. I want to say it's also, it's also a way that we're family with one another. If you missed out on something being in here, if you're in kids or something else, you can go back and listen. It's a big part of, of, a, of a shared story that we have together as we experience God together going through His Word. I was thinking about that this week, and I come from a very big family. I have five sisters and one brother. Um, and oftentimes, if, if we do get together, not oftentimes, but when we do get together, occasionally, uh, all of us together will we'll sit and we'll start telling old stories, and my kids want to hear all the stories from when we were kids, and we start going around, and we start talking about how great it was, and then they ask, well, where were you, Courtney? And Courtney's my youngest sister, and she's like six years after the six of us, and there's a lot of stories that we have that happened prior to Courtney. And it's like, oh, it's sad. You weren't a part of those stories, Courtney, were you? And she's kind of just sitting there. And so now she lives in New Zealand, so we don't see her, and so it's all good. Um, but no, it's this idea that, no, man, we really wish you were there. We wish you were part of those stories. And so, so what we are learning, what we're doing here in this gathering, we're, we're learning from one another, we're learning from the Spirit, and we want to encourage you to be a part of those things. And so if you remember back last week in Ephesians 5, um, God was saying uh, in the first few verses in Ephesians 5, he was saying, imitate me. Walk in my love. He says, my love is sacrificial. It was an offering to God the Father, and it made you children. And he says, live in light of that love. Treasure me above all else. And what God says is practically that life, a life that treasures him above all else is a life that looks like a life of gratitude a life of thanksgiving, a life that says where you've been given eyes to see that all the things in the world, all the things in life actually are a sovereign work of, God's, of a gracious God working on his behalf to bring himself glory and we're yet to be a part of that story. And so it's a heart that really says, I love you, God. I love you, God. And so that's where we're building from. That's where we're kind of coming out of in this passage. And in verse 15, it says this. If you can read along with me, verse 15 through 20. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart 
giving thanks always for everything to the God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, what we have here for the second time in this in this short chapter is a call really to, to take stock of your life, to assess, to see if your life is actually in line with God's. In, in verse 1 and 2, it says, walk in line with Christ. It's this idea of making sure you're checking to see if your life is in line with God's image. And then in verse 15, again, it says, look carefully how you walk. So I think there's a reason why this is repeated. I think it's a good reminder for us because I think we actually need to check often See where our lives are actually heading. That we're people that, that often and quickly walk in other directions. We're people that tend to take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter did as he's walking out on the water. He has his eyes on Jesus, and then he takes him off. Peter steps out of the boat, right? He, he steps out of the boat with good intentions. His, his eyes are focused on Jesus. He really wants to be a part. He wants to walk alongside Jesus. And then the wind and the rain and the lightning starts hitting the water beside him. And those things start to become more important. And he gets distracted and he starts to sink. And I think we can often be like that. We're like, Jesus, let me walk with you. Let me be with you. I want to be with you. I want to walk on the water with you. And and I think really genuinely we have a desire to walk with him. And we start out in that direction. And then the distractions start to happen around us. And we start to look at them. And they start to seem more pressing and more important. And all the time we start to look at them. And then all of a sudden we start to look back. And it's been like, oh, it's been like three weeks since I spent any time with you, God. And we get distracted. We've wasted our time on things that aren't as important as God. And God is saying here, be wise. Make the best use of your time. This, this word here in Greek, this word time, actually means opportunity. Actually means peak opportunity. So it's be wise in how you use each opportunity in the day. This is not just a call here for good time management. It's a call that we would think about and we would use each opportunity of the day to treasure God above all other things, to walk wisely. You see, we've, we've taught this before as we went through Proverbs, but, but wise living is not the smartest thing to do. Wise living is actually the submitted thing to do. Wisdom doesn't say, how can I best manage all of these things in my life? Wisdom says, how can I submit Every opportunity that I have, how can I submit all the things in my life so that all the things that consume my time, so that we would see those things and others would see that God is the most valuable in all of those things, that he's actually the one worth worshiping in the midst of all of those things. And so I think there's a call here for us to check our lives, to make sure that's where we're walking, that's where we're heading. And he, and he gives us a, really a, a why here in verse 16. It says, why do we need to check often? Why do we need to check and make sure we're walking wisely? He says, because the days are evil. The days are evil. I think we, we were confronted with that this past week as we see shootings in our city. And we see that around the world. The reality is that every day is filled with so many things that actually pull our hearts and minds and souls and tell us that these things are more important than God. These things are more valuable than God himself. And oftentimes they may even be good things. 
but yet they pull us away from, from actually living in the image of God, and we end up worshiping good things instead of the ultimate thing. And so what God is doing here is he's reminding us that, that we get to actually walk in our gospel purpose. That's what he says when he's saying walking wisely. You see, the goal of growing in wisdom is not just so that we would be smart or that so we would know how to best manage things in life, or, but it's really so that we would grow in our effectiveness of showing the world what God is like. That's wise living. We would grow in those things so we would wisely reflect him to the world all the time so that the world would look at, at God's people and say, their God is actually the best God. Their God is, is worthy of following. Their God is, is worthy of serving. Their God is, is the wisest way to live life, is following God. Really, that's, the, that's always been God's plan for his people. From the very beginning of time, that's always been God's plan for his people, that, that we would be a display people reflecting his image to the world around us. Because the truth is, we're always reflecting something. Right? We're always displaying something. We're always working out our theology and how we live. You're always displaying what you believe about God as how you interact in every situation. And that's not just true for us, but it's true for everyone in this city and everyone in this world. We're, we're displaying what we actually believe and what we actually worship. And I want to say, as children of God, we now get to display Him to this city. It's not a duty. We now get to do that. We get to, to demonstrate by how we use our time that we actually treasure God in His ways. And when we do that, it's actually a visible display that's very unique in this city and in this world. In this city, is always talking about, people are always talking about and thinking about, about me. What can I do to accomplish these things for my glory, to get ahead, to make my own fame, to make riches or whatever it may be? How can I accomplish these things in my time for myself? But we get to display a very different picture than that. That it's not about our glory, but it's about God's glory. And that all we have is actually a gracious gift that He's given us to steward for His glory. So as we think about this, the question as I think about these things, I always come up with questions, but um, it, how do we do this? Because I think it's one thing to sit here and say, yeah, that's right. I need to check my life. I need to like display God. I need to walk in line with Him. And then we can just run right out of here and jump back into all of our busy schedules and it just becomes something that we say and we think about. So how do we do it? Well, if we look here in verse 17 and 18... It kind of gives us some clues. It says, don't be foolish. Okay. Instead, wise living looks like being filled with the Spirit. Looks like being filled with the Spirit. Now, I know there have been a lot of things written on this topic, and there's been a lot of discussion on this topic of what it means to actually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time there, but I do want to kind of give you some clarity on what that actually means to be filled by the Spirit. I want to kind of give you a short explanation. If you look through Scripture, what you'll find is really kind of two things when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first is this, is at the point of conversion. When, when God calls you into His family, when He makes you His own, when He, he, he makes you a son or daughter and you're, you're adopted into His home, you're given the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit enters your life as a mark, as a seal of the eternal promises of God. The Holy Spirit is constantly working your life, encouraging you, comforting you, calling you, reminding you of truth, giving you His fruit, love, peace, joy. Anytime any of those things, self-control happens in your life, that self-control is actually a work of the Spirit. There's no way that's going to happen on your own. That's a work of the Spirit. So every believer has the Spirit of God living inside of them. So you're filled with the Spirit in that way. There's a second thing that we see in Scripture, is there's this idea of really a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit that happens to believers, where, where they're given even more power to walk in God's ways. And usually what happens is we see this happen in a, in a short period of time for a specific opportunity. Wayne Grudem, he's pretty smart. He says it this way. He's a theologian. He's written a bunch of books. He says this, um, The filling of the Holy Spirit results in a variety of consequences, including the greater love for God, greater victory over sin, greater power for ministry, and sometimes receiving new spiritual gifts. So it's for a specific time, for a more intense time, these things are given to us to walk in more power and more strength in the things that God is calling us into. And most of the time in the Bible when we see this, that believers were, were, were given this filling, um, it's so that they could actually continue to walk boldly in the ways God was calling them. And one of the things in, that we see in the Bible too is that this filling always is preceded by prayer. People pray and then they're given an extra measure of the Holy Spirit for an opportunity in that time period and in that time. It's this idea, really, I'm going to think about it this way, that, that if we're really not disturbed in our hearts by how much we can, how little we can do in our own power, then we're never going to be desperate enough to actually ask God for His power in the day. I think there's, there's an example you can see of this in Acts 4. There's so many. Um, but we see this in Acts 4 where, where Christians are, are living in fear from the threats of the religious authorities. These are the same people who had crucified Jesus and they're, they're threatening their lives. And they're, and, but instead of, instead of hiding in response, instead of like um, putting some hedges up and protecting themselves, they ask for God to give them more boldness to preach the gospel. They ask for supernatural power to minister to people. Take a look in Acts 4.29. It says this, And now the Lord looked upon their threats this is their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and to grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So these are people who are already working to live in the image of God, and they're, they're striving in the Holy Spirit to do that, and they ask the God to give them actually more power, more strength to walk in those ways. And, so, and God answers their prayers, and they walk out in great power and great boldness. Now there's, there's time to study kind of all the, the theological nuances of this, but I'm not going to spend all time there today. But I do want us... I do want us to think about this. I don't want us to actually miss this. That there's actually a real call here um, for us to consider as we think about this. Are you actually responding to fears, 
to your fear of mission, to your fear of rejection, to your fear of, of real phys- physical threats, to your fears of disapproval, to your fears of scorn, with desperate prayer for God to actually empower you to overcome those things. Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you, do you hear about and read about the gospel in, in the Bible and you hear other people talk about its power to change you in the everyday, but you're not experiencing it in your life? Do you lack gratitude? Do you lack joy? Are you anxious? I want to say if any of those things or anything more, you're a good candidate for actually being filled by the Holy Spirit. Your dryness, your discouragement may actually be in fact an invitation from God for you to press in and ask Him for more of Himself. See, the reality is that only when we become we become delusioned enough with like mere talk and anemic worship or our weak selves will we actually be prepared to pray. We need to ask. We need to actually be holding on to God like Jacob did and say, I'm not going to let you go until you give me some more. Do we do that? Are we asking the Spirit to actually fill us with the power that we need for every moment, for every opportunity in the day? to use our time wisely for Him. And the good news is that God loves to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He loves it. And not just once, but many, many times. If you look in the New Testament, you'll see that often the same people receive repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to say, if they needed it repeatedly, you and I probably need it repeatedly as well. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit often. If we go back to Ephesians 5 and verse 18, we see this this contrast of what what it looks like. And it says, Do not get drunk with wine, um, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please understand that these verses are not just talking about worship styles or what types of songs you you think about you should sing. I know that these verses were taught on so many times during like the worship wars phase in the American church. You maybe were walked through some of that back in the day. Um, It's probably still going on in some places. Um, but, But God is really actually giving us a glimpse in these verses of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's making a comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit instead. To get drunk means that you're controlled by wine. It masters you. Being drunk, often you you feel different. And you you act in different ways. You act in ways that you usually don't do. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I spent quite a bit of my life earlier drinking a lot. Um, and I've experienced this, it often changes people. Some people become lovers. Right? All of a sudden, they're like, oh, like hugging you, and like, oh, man, I love you so much. I've had other friends, they become fighters, right? Like, they start drinking, and like, there's a fight. You've seen this in Westerns every time, right? Like, somebody like breaks out in a fight. People sing when they're drunk, oftentimes. When I was in bars a lot, Sweet Caroline was the song. And it came on and everybody would start singing Sweet Caroline. Right? Like, people, 
People sing. You saw this in Western Zoo. That's why they always have the piano, right? Like someone's over there playing while their fight's going on. Like people do different things when they're, when they're drunk with wine. They make poor decisions often. Alcohol has a power over you to control you to, to how you, and changes actually how you live in that moment. And so he's saying, don't be like that. Be like the Spirit. Likewise, being filled with the Spirit means that he's controlling you. That you feel and you act different in certain ways. You do things that you normally wouldn't do. Instead of normal self living out this way, you live in the Holy Spirit and you speak boldly all of a sudden. You, you love differently all of a sudden. You sing. You live in ways that are, that are contrary to the culture around you. You actually live in the true image of God. I think this analogy continues to play itself out. And, and how you get drunk is with wine is actually not by looking at it on the shelf and saying, that one looks pretty good, I wonder how it smells, but you actually consume it. You take it in. You drink a lot of it. I want to say that's probably a clue of how we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We spend a lot of time taking Him in. We're experiencing Him. One of the primary ways that we do that is by reading and meditating on the brief of the Spirit in Scripture. God recorded Scripture for you through the Holy Spirit that you get to take Him in. I think it's one of the reasons why we see in the book of Acts that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens is the New Testament is poured out of them. God's Word comes out in written form. And Paul is saying here, in the power of the Spirit, um, don't be intoxicated with alcohol, but be intoxicated with God. Allow the Holy Spirit to control you, to give you power in life. Really be intoxicated with God. Verse 19 goes on and says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. What we see here is that singing in in corporate worship together is actually an expression of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Singing actually flows out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It means that Christian singing is not natural, but it's actually supernatural. The Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the the Godhead, and He's supernatural. And He comes and He fills people, and He moves them to act in a certain way that is not normal, and that looks like singing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but like what we do here on Sunday morning is not normal. It's not normal. A bunch of people come in a room and they start singing. Some people raise their hands. Some people clout. Some people shout. Sometimes people cry. That's not normal in society. It doesn't matter like how culturally relevant your music sounds. It's still odd. It's weird, especially to people that don't know Jesus. You come here and sit down and sing and then have someone talk about something and then you sing some more and you walk out. Like that doesn't happen in the rest of society. This is something that's supernatural that takes place. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to go here. Ralph Ralph Martin wrote this in his book. Um, he He wrote a book on worship in the early church. And one of the things he says in there is that the Christian church was born in psalm. Was born in psalm. That we're a singing people. Why are we a singing people? 
Because the reality of God in creation, in salvation, in heaven, and in hell are, are simply far too great for mere speaking. They must also be sung. Who God is and what he's done is so amazing that we can't just think about it. We can't just talk about it. We, we have to have some expression come out of our hearts and it comes out in song. When we begin to feel the depths of God and the intense emotions start to well up, the way that we express that is through song. Singing is really the Christian way of saying God is great and thinking about him will not suffice. There must be deep feeling and talking about it. it's just not going to happen. There must be singing. Just so you know, like, it's, why we, it's one of the reasons why we come in here and don't just like talk about something and walk out. That would be great. I like to talk. Sometimes you guys like to listen. It's good to kind of discuss things. But we don't just come in here and just talk about things. It's also why I say don't come in late. It's not because I'm just like anal retentive about being on time. It's because... You're missing out on the Holy Spirit reflecting the glory of God in song. Singing is to be an expression of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're doing when we're singing together. And it doesn't mean that, that every time we sing Christian songs that we're actually full of the Spirit. There's actually this great passage in Amos 5. Um, God says this, he says, Take me away from the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sounds of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters of righteousness, like ever, like an ever-flowing stream. So there is, there is religious singing that's offensive to the Lord. Basically, singing in a manner that is, that is not heartfelt, singing that is, that is not a work of the Holy Spirit, singing, singing can become just like any other act. It can become out of duty. Verse 19 says, making melody with, with your heart to the Lord. It's the opposite of, of making melody with your heart would be singing, you know, making melody out of your mouth or whatever willpower it takes to, to make your mouth move and vocal cords vibrate. I don't know how that all works. But, but, but with your heart actually signifies that you actually mean it, that you feel it, that you're actually valuing God with your heart when you open your mouth and something comes out. I want to say as well that that doesn't mean that singing in the Spirit only happens when you're on fire for God. It's not just authentic when your heart feels the need for the passion of that, but, but it can also be that your heart feels the need of passion for, for something you once knew or want to know more of for God. It's, it can be that longing offered to God can, is also worship. It can be singing in sorrow, that even maybe even sorrow that, that the longing for God is gone, that you can hardly feel anything, that this sadness that you don't feel, but you know these things are actually true about God. That sorrow offered to God is also worship. What I'm saying here is it doesn't really have to be all or nothing, but God actually wants us to authentically worship Him whatever state we're in. That we would come with, with heartfelt desire, asking the Spirit to fill us, to give us a, a song, to give us a new song, to give us 
Give us the ability to sing in His power and that His Spirit would fill all the areas of our life. Verse 19 um, says, Sing unto the Lord. It says, Sing unto the Lord. It's the idea that our singing should actually be God-centered. What that means is that the, that the songs that we sing should actually point us towards God. It should put us in the presence of God. We should be singing with the view of God, hearing it and seeing it and receiving it with approval and delight. It's the idea that, that as we sing, we, did, we would be desire to be in the presence of God, telling Him what we think about Him, what we feel about Him, what we know about Him as a response to who He is and what He's done for us, what He's promised us in the future. It's why we spend a lot of time, why the, why the team that leads you up here spends a lot of time actually looking through lyrics on songs. The things that we sing shouldn't just be like a cool beat or a catchy lyric, or, or like this really sounds good. The main criteria for the songs that we sing is, is the words, are the words fundamentally pointing us towards God and not ourselves? It's why we need to make sure often that we're singing songs that are grounded in biblical theological truth. What we sing does teach our hearts about who God is and who to find joy in and who to worship and all of those things. And it's not for us, but it's for Him. It's God-centered worship, not man-centered worship. What's also interesting here in verse 19 is that this isn't just an upward thing. It's also an us thing. Did you notice it says, but says to one another, sing to one another, sing to one another, speak to one another these things in song. It's probably one of the clearest mandates in the entire New Testament for corporate worship. Right? You can't obey this singing to one another in solitude. It's going to require a community to actually live this out. God calls us to speak to song in song to one another. I want to say not just during this time when we gather together on Sunday. It doesn't just say sing together once a week for 10, 20 minutes and then for another 10, 20 minutes and then that's good all the time. No, it says sing together all the time. There were people in need of the Spirit to help us walk all the time in His ways and were people that need to sing and express His truth, the great realities of God to each other and that should happen more often than just right on a Sunday morning. I want to say it's probably one of the ways, not probably, it is one of the things why we encourage you to be part of a missional community because you're going to never going to live out and learn and understand the depths of God in just an hour and a half every week. If we're going to actually image God, singing should be actually a part, should be a part of a realm of your missional community in some capacity. I know some of your missional communities have lots of people that can sing really well and you probably... <laughs> have a lot of singing, and some of you don't sing very good, but you still can sing, right? Please notice this isn't just like one way of singing. It says, sing to one another. So it can't just be listening. It's not just listening to some, some songs of God. It's participatory. This time when we get together here and in other places, we should sing in a manner where other people can actually hear you. I know. 
Some of you don't have the greatest voices. I've heard you, right? Like, like I had a really good voice. I beat out Amy Seath for first soprano back in the day. And then, like, and then, like, I got into junior high and I sang. And then, like, I was like, this isn't cool anymore. I need to play sports, you know. And so, like, I can kind of sing, but, like, not like I used to. But, but some of you can really sing and we can hear you. But we need to hear all of you. The Holy Spirit lives in each person, and we need to hear you sing. Right? It's, it's one of the reasons why, why we well, really kind of plays into sound, even, like how we play sound in our, in our gatherings. Right? It means that when, when Danielle or John or, or Michael or Katie or, or anybody who else is leading up here, that we don't just stand there and blah, 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 blah. Right? We actually sing the goodness of God to yourself and to those around you so they can hear it. This is not a concert. It's a participatory time where we worship the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is poured out on us and poured out through the ways that you speak to one another and the way that you sing. It doesn't mean that we can't have someone lead us in those things. But if you can't hear yourself and people around you can't hear you, something's wrong. God is a multifaceted God. And we get to image him that way by how we sing differently. Right? Some of you are going to sing and there's going to be some extra words that come out. And, you know, and there's going to be, some of you are going to, some of you, God's going to call you to clap. Some of you, God's going to say, you need to get down knees. Some of you are, are, are going to say God's going to call you to, to, to do something else. And all of those expressions of the Holy Spirit are needed for us to see a multifaceted God. One is not better than the other. If one person has hands up, doesn't mean the other person is not worshiping. Or because, because someone has their hand up, doesn't mean that they're worshiping either. They just maybe have itch or something. I don't, you know, like, we need all of those pieces. Romans 15 says this that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the idea that being together and singing together actually intensifies our emotions for God. It unifies our corporate life around God. We talk about being family. This is one of the ways that we're family together. It's one of the ways that we serve each other. It's one of the ways that we speak the gospel to one another. It's a way for us to hear each other pray and to sing and that corporately our response would be, Amen. Yes, God is the one that is worth worshiping. I think it's why Paul goes on and he lists all these different types of songs. He says, Speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making a melody with your heart to the Lord. It's hard to look at this list and say that we should only sing this one thing. Or we should only, it should only look how I feel and how I like, personally worship God best. What this list does is it really kind of generically covers the various forms of, of like musical composition. Right? You can probably tell me a lot more of this than I can, but, but, but Psalms here really is, is a reference to the Old Testament Psalter. We have this idea where they're, they're shorter, poetic songs of praise, really telling, God, telling of God's attributes and of his deeds. 
This idea of hymns, we really are really longer compositions that, that recall the truth of God. That, that we that dig into more deeper theological truth often. Really, if you, if you look through Scripture, many scholars actually believe that there's actually pieces of hymns that were sung by the early church found in the, in the New Testament. Found in Philippians and Colossians and 1 Timothy and Hebrews and 1 Peter and in many other places. And so we sing the hymns of God. We sing, we sing the psalms of God. And then we sing spiritual songs. This term spiritual song refers to, to moments of spontaneous praise. Really, I would say this probably often happens. It breaks out in the middle of other songs. You're singing and there's a pause musically or whatever it may be. Or even in the middle of it, there's spontaneous truths that the Holy Spirit reminds you and that, you, that come out of your mouth that you have to sing or that you repeat or that are spoken out. These are the things that, that, that we get to do. I think what's obvious is God is saying that, that when we think about these things, it's, it's God is way bigger and infinitely more beautiful. And, and the way that, that he relates to us is profoundly way greater than all these things. And it's wonderful in many different ways. And he has a song for each of us and a song for each season of life for each time or opportunity in the moment of life. So if you're sorrow, if you're in sorrow, if you're experiencing a difficult situation, maybe, maybe a song like, It Is Well With My Soul, really helps you to focus on the sovereignty of God. Or maybe you're, maybe you're stunned by the fact that you're actually saved. And you get to sing, Amazing Grace. Right? How sweet the sound. Maybe... Maybe regardless of the circumstances or relationships around you, you need to be reminded that God is a good, good Father. Right? Like what all of the different songs in life get to point us to God that He meets us in our high moments and He meets us in our low moments. That He meets us in, in thunderously glorious ways and He meets us in very quiet, intimate ways. And He meets us in super complex theological ways and in simple ways. You know, like, maybe we just need to hear, like, Jesus loves me. This I know. Or maybe we need to listen to, like, some fine expression of music, like Handel's Messiah. I couldn't think of anything that was finer than that. I don't know. I'm sure there probably is. But something like that, compared to, like, a simple song, like, Jesus loves me. This I know. He meets us in both of those places. And the good news is that God desires for us that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we would break out in song. That we would tell and display His glory to the world around us that is singing the wrong song. They sing the wrong songs. All the time. They sing songs about the wrong thing. That we actually now get to be a people that sing the true songs of joy. The true songs of thanksgiving. We have the most to be thankful for. We are to be the most celebratory people on the planet. I've said that a hundred times before, but I'm going to say it again. We have been given Jesus. We get to be celebratory people. We've gone from slave to free. From abandoned to a child of God inside of his home, sitting on his lap, comfortable with everything that you ever could think about and need. Man, it's crazy. 
We get to now ask and think about and tell other people of those things. We get to now ask God the Father, will you please give me more of your spirit so that I will not walk in line with the culture so I won't sing about those things but that I will actually sing about you and I actually live in your ways and will you give me your power so that I can walk out in these things more boldly in every opportunity in every moment of life. Can I say, let's start praying those things. Let's pray those things for this city. Let's ask him to fill us to give us the power that would actually control us so that we would walk out in a different way. So that we would be drunk with God. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, they said, are these people drunk? They're like, no, they're actually just walking in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray that that would actually be what people say about us. That church over there, Soma, they're drunk. (laughs) Not because they like whiskey and cigars and all the other things, but like, Because we're actually drunk in the Holy Spirit and He's actually controlling us and we're living in ways that we would never imagine or think about in our personalities or your wherever you fit on the Enneagram or whatever. You would walk, instead of being a one, you'd walk as a five or whatever. Like you would actually walk out in different ways because the Holy Spirit is actually leading you now. That we would submit every moment, every opportunity to Him to boldly speak and to boldly sing out the truths of God. That's what these passages are calling us to and asking us to walk in. Let's be people that would pray that. Let's be people that would do that in this city. Our Father, we thank you that we get to pray to you, that we pray to a God that listens, that understands, that desires to give us more of himself. Father, we ask that your spirit would be poured out on us. We ask that your spirit would fill us in each moment of the day as we go to our jobs, as we interact with our neighbors, as we interact with one another. Father, would you fill us? Would you give us your boldness? Would we walk in new ways? Would we, would we sing your songs daily to one another and to the world around us that is needing of hearing your lullabies sung to their hearts? Father, help us people that walk in those truths. Father, we love you. We want to treasure you. Father, help us to keep our eyes on you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.